There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Nurse Podcast number 927. Say, do you have big plans for the new year, Jonah? You bet I do. What are you going to be doing with your new year? Finally starting that diet. You know, for years I've been saying the diet starts tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow it starts. Is, yes. Would you like to put that on the internet? Yeah, I was thinking about it. Well, Squarespace will make it easy to turn your idea, like your diet, into a unique website or blog. It's a good way to stay accountable and connect with other people that might be doing the same thing. No, Jonah, you don't have to install Patch or Upgrade ever. That's what's going to be my next point. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you are ready to launch, use the offer code NERDIST to save 10 uh, ampersand off your first purchase of a website 10%. or a 10%. Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> Is there an ampersand in there? No, I was just oh. doing a bit. Oh, sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> bit killer, bit killer. Kenny Levine's a bit killer. What about logic? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all fine. It's all fine. Yeah. Say, Katie, what do you got on the old Nerdist Community corkboard? Oh, I'm going to fuck this up, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Look, Katie gets real. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here I go. Again. <laughs> choo choo, here comes the Katie train wreck. Oh my god, I want to make that your ringtone when you call me. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna fuck this up again. Uh, okay, so Reddit user Bill Nobes writes uh, My friends and I are performing a stage reading of, I cannot pronounce this, John. John how do you say that? Uh, I don't know. Can I, can I take a shot? Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it John? I think it's a French name. Unholy. Unholy. Anolise? Jean Anulis Antigone. Yes. Uh, We're all horribly non-academic yes. here with uh, regard to and, French. And, and Antigone and January 27th at 7 p.m. in Trenton, New Jersey at the Trenton Coffee House. Admission is free, but please do buy coffee because the owner, Abdul, is an amazing person. The play was originally written and performed in Nazi-occupied France and was meant to encourage people to resist... Uh, the playwright chose the Greek play Antigone as a framework to hide the message of the play and get past German censors. It seems really relevant today, and we've done some updating to reflect current political climate. For more info, go to Bill Nobes, that's N-O-B-E-S dot com. And then Tyler R. Lee, recent, he says, I recently published my first novel, a fantasy adventure titled An Unlikely Company, a half-orc hunter, a goblin sorceress, a dwarf fighter, and an elf druid and her tiger companion are thrown together by chance with more than a bit of reluctance. The four loners stumble upon an evil plot and discover they may be the land's only hope. If they don't kill each other first, it can fi- be found on Amazon, uh, in ebook or paperback, or uh, his website, talesoftrlee.com. 
Excellent. Oh, I got a couple things. <laughs> what do you got? Um, uh, pre-orders are up for um, uh, a, a movie I was in. I was, I'm in Victor Crowley, which is the uh, fourth installment of the Hatchet films by Adam Green. Fantastic. I'm in the cold open. I get killed. Dream come true. Spoiler. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? It happens so soon. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, it's fine. Uh, but uh, the trailer's up um, for Victor Crowley. Um, yeah, for all those of you who have a Jonah Ray torture fantasy, then now they'll get to see that. There it is. There it is. And then uh, uh, on top of that... Yeah, so, uh, oh, yeah, pre-orders are up for that on iTunes and all that stuff. And it's, uh, it's neat. It's, it was fun. It was fun to go, like, you know, did an overnight shoot, got to... Do a whole bit, get chased down, killed. It was one of the things that actually inspired me to get LASIK. Oh, that's fantastic. They didn't want me having my glasses on, mainly, I think, because of the reflection. Right. And they're like, it's just going to slow us down. Right. Uh, and then they had me running in the dark through the woods, and I almost gouged my face out of some <laughs> broken, jagged branches. And so I was I'm like, I'm going to get LASIK. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, we've been doing every week, we've been doing a Jonah Radio. Oh, I love it. It's back. Uh, this week, we have. Uh, uh, from the rentals and formerly of uh, Weezer, Matt? Uh, we have Matt, Matt Sharp. Sharp. Matt Sharp came down and uh, and hung out with us, and uh, we barely played any music. The guy can like really just talk about stuff in his life, and he's very interesting. It's a very very fun. And we, last week the the episodes up now we had Jerry Duggan, old friend Jerry Duggan. Oh, our friend Jerry Duggan. He yeah, used yeah. to yeah Jerry Duggan used to play D and D with Jerry Duggan. Yeah yeah. So it's uh, we've been doing it. We've been playing a lot of submitted music. Uh, if you are interested in hearing your music played on Jonah Radio. Um, it's jonahradio at gmail.com. Fantastic. Congratulations. I also will be performing at, uh, let's see, where am I going to be? I'm going to be at uh, Stand Up Live in Phoenix. I love that venue. It's a great venue. Uh, at the beginning of February and then the following weekend, Brea, and then the following weekend, Levity Live in Oxnard. So doing all, all, all February doing shows. So nice. just And none of them are too far away. So no. it's kind of, yeah. Google that shit. Uh, this episode is Ricky Lindholm, who um, I I just adore. Ricky Lindholm, we've I've known Ricky since she and Kate first started coming around and doing Garfunkel and Oates, mm-hmm. and she not only is she so incredibly smart, but has such a phenomenal work ethic. Like the workaholics, all kind of recognize each other. Like, ah, how do you sleep at night? You know, <laughs> and we do talk about that kind of stuff. But Ricky, her the output of her work is unbelievable and uh, another period is back January 23rd on Comedy Central the show that she does with Natasha Leggero and a bunch of comedy people that are yeah. relevant to your interests uh, which is is such a fucking great show yeah. and they're great on it and they write it and they, it's it is a fantastic show and I urge you urge you urge you to watch it and support good scripted comedy on Comedy Central, yeah. <laughs> January 23rd. <laughs> Please support their show so they can keep making more of it. Yes, they have a bunch of great shows on right now. Uh, they got Corporate coming out. Yeah, Corporate's they, coming out you know, soon. Uh, Detroiters, Detroiters is coming Detroiters is great. Yeah, so yeah. support those shows. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, uh, being on. And thank you for doing the intro, Jonah. Oh, of course. We just recorded another podcast, and Jonah just stuck around just to be on the intro. I think we're going to bang out a hostful this week, too. We're going to record one. That's right. That's uh, gonna we'll, we'll we'll drop that soon. Um, this episode, as I mentioned, was brought to you by Squarespace. So just you know, make the thing. It's the new year. Make the thing that you're gonna make, whether it's a business or a blog or a portfolio or whatever it is. Showcase any kind of digital content you want. Customize everything from look and feel to settings and product. Uh, it's all optimized right out of the box for mobile. 
You can use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow in real time. And then, like I said before, you don't have to install, patch, or upgrade anything. And if you have a question, Squarespace's 24-7 customer support is there to help. A dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. So give it some type of web presence, some sort of digital manifestation. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code NERDIST to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com. Did I say domain? Yeah, it says like domain. Jermaine. Jermaine. Jermaine Clement. Jermaine Clement. Brit. 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 Yes. Present. Head to squarespace.com. Use the offer code NERDIST. Here's the Nerdist Podcast number 927 with Ricky Lindholm. Katie, roll the thing. Is it really rolling? It's not. She doesn't roll anything. She presses a button. Don't be the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to my uh, house slash podcast studio. Nice, it's beautiful. You uh, wait. I was trying to have you and you and Kate. We talked. We realized you and Kate were on in Bumbershoot, but like in like 2010. I think it it's was like the first year. <laughs> yeah, it was of the podcast, and it was like the first one of the first live shows, right? Yeah, it was one of the first live yeah. shows. It was at that little theater that's part of the Bumbershoot. Mm-hmm campus which is really just that central part mm-hmm. of, da- of downtown seattle that was so much fun it was really fun God, but Bummer i remember shoots the best you i think david o'doherty was there yep. i think we didn't was, was Patton there or am i maybe. making that up i don't know he might have been um why i think am I, maybe i'm making that up maybe he had the show after you guys or something no you were on a show with Patton. that was it you guys did stand up on the same show we did do stand up on the same show yes oh wow you did those bumper shoot <laughs> shows were so much fun so much fun have you so been back good. no I haven't either. I don't no. think I've been back since then either. I know. I don't think they do a lot of duplication. No, no, no. <laughs> it, but but it has been like seven years. I know. It's like seven years. Come on. No, 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 no. No. Um, <laughs> Hard and firm Garfunkel notes. Ah, that'd be so much fun. Oh, I would so do that. You know, the, the, there was a period of time where it was, it was like performing with some of the other duos. Like we uh, performing with you mm-hmm. and the Concords. Mm-hmm. We have some fun like nightmare stories about performing I, with per, the Concords. Well, we did. Um, there was a festival in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and we did it with the Concords in like 2004, I think, oh, or wow. 2005. Mm-hmm. And um, they had put us in a bar to perform. So we were performing in a no. bar, which sort of had like a shotgun shape to it. Oh god! So you like you so walk you're performing in. in a tunnel where everyone's talking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so. <laughs> They, it was really weird the way they did it. They kind of fucked up because they, like, you could go if you were a festival goer, but I think part of the deal was that they couldn't close the bar to bar patrons. Oh, right. So it was like, oh, well, it's not really a... So, so this isn't a festival. It, so it, because we were performing on a band stage, oh. everyone in the bar who was not there for the show was just like, oh, there's a band on stage. So they just talked really loudly yes. over us. Oh. So, uh, so they couldn't get the um, subtleties of... Pie or these other songs like oh god i remember when kate and i first started we were 
we'd written like maybe four or five songs and half of them were comedy and half were just kind of regular songs. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, where do we play? Do we play comedy venues? Do we, because we didn't know any other comedy. We didn't know anything that was happening. And so we played a couple music venues and a couple comedy venues and we're like, oh, it has to, it has to be comedy because we can't handle people standing. Oh, that's so Cause, funny. Because if people are standing up, the kind of the rule is you can talk between songs. Right. And that's where we do all our banter and all our comedy. It was like between the songs and we're like, oh, people can't hear us if, God, that's so yeah. funny because we arrived at the mm-hmm. opposite conclusion. Oh, after because we started mm-hmm. in doing clubs, mm-hmm. and we had we had a couple rough shows at clubs, mm-hmm. and then we realized because our songs this a song a so, comedy songs unless it's like Stephen Lynch, right. where it's just like joke 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 yes. joke. They they're really just kind of a sketch that the audience has to buy into. Yeah, and it's got there's like a setup. It has to breathe a little. You have to. And if the audience doesn't there. buy the premise of the sketch, no. then they just have to sit through it. <laughs> yes. And so we realized after touring for a bit in clubs, we would much rather be the funny guys in a music venue than the music guys in a comedy venue. Interesting. That's funny. We went to the opposite. We did. Although your stuff is more rock and roll. It's more like you have harmonies and like more, it's, it's, it's louder. We're, it is loud. Kate it and is... I have tiny voices and we can't sing harmony and we've got a uke and a guitar it's very dinky (laughs) like everything about us is dinky and so it didn't go well with music venues you also have to it's funny because our songs you have to listen to to understand the concepts but Mm -hmm. your songs you really have to listen to because you're you guys are so hyper articulate in some places (laughs) that it's very it's like you can really easily miss jokes if you're not so fast and we go so fast when we're playing live we just yeah we just speed through it and if you miss it you kind of miss it and we've we've talked about that we're like we should like tell a joke and then give it a second but we're like oh no and then we never do it (laughs) this is this is uh, not something i can say to a lot of people but it was an honor being in your hand job video oh thank you thank you you were wonderful i appreciate it. that was such a funny that was such a fun cameo when you were just like sitting in the corner we panned it was the first time we like had a person in a video other than us (laughs) because we were just always playing on my couch and we panned over when we had the chris hardwick line and yeah I I forget sometimes, but you you're you kind of like YouTube kind of like kickstarted you, oh, didn't it? We would not have a career if it wasn't for YouTube. We like we we're so grateful to YouTube, and we didn't know it was going to be a thing. Like when we started on YouTube, we we put these two videos on my couch up because I was leaving the country for a few months, and Kate was going away for a few months, and we wanted like our moms to see the videos and stuff. We loved our two songs. And, but I was like, oh, there's this thing, YouTube. And Kate's like, oh, well, should we make it like nice and put makeup on? I was like, no, no one will see it. Like nobody knows about this thing, you know? And then, cause I didn't know it wasn't really a thing. And our YouTube channel was the first half of my email address. It's still, it's our YouTube channel's Ricky Lind. It was my, it's not even Ricky Lind home. It's not Garfunkel and Oates and you can't change it. No. So I just, you know, like, Three years in when we're like, oh, we have a YouTube channel and it's called Ricky Lynn. That's not a great, in all lowercase letters. It's still that. That's what our, year was that? That was 2007, 2008. Okay, yeah. So that mm-hmm. that was, because YouTube, I'm pretty sure YouTube's 2005 was when it started. So 2007 is when it really started turning into like, yeah. oh, it's not just teenagers making video confessionals in their on their webcams right it's not just yeah and like things like happen for people from like when um so i left the country i went to south africa to film a movie and kate had gone somewhere oh she went to new york to do something and then i went to spain right after so i just been gone so i was gone for maybe four or five months and kate called me in spain and she's like so um the creator of scrubs called (laughs) and he wants to use one of our songs on scrubs and i was like 
wait, one of our YouTube songs? She's like, yep. And so he hired Kate to play some part on there, like of a nurse or something. And she was going to sing it with this guy. And I was like, yes. And she's like, how much do we charge? I was like, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And I was like, I guess whatever the minimum is. I'm like, we don't have a recording of it. We don't have like, we only have like the grainy YouTubes. Like they have to re-record the whole thing. I was like, just whatever the scale of it is let's just make sure it gets on there because we never thought we could tell and then after that people started watching our channel that is fantastic Mm -hmm. and do you still put stuff up on there yep not that often though not that we haven't been writing songs like since i started another period it's been um which is a tv show not television show period yeah it's not um i did i had a period last week i did another one this week and then i started another one um it's just it's relentless (laughs) um, although that did happen to me once i was when i was doing the garfunkel and show um ken marino was in the same hallway editing i think the um the bachelor show he was doing oh right was yeah, it called? yeah um what was that show called? Uh, was no, burning, exactly. love, burning, yeah, love. burning love um and he uh walked in he's like oh how's it going whatever i'm like i'm good just working on another period and he was like cool cool and then i was like no 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 oh my god and the show wasn't even out yet i don't know why i thought he would know about it and i was like no not my not my not my, not my actual period yeah. it's the name of a show and he was like okay cool i didn't think i knew you well enough for that for that <laughs> comment and i was like yeah no you're right yeah but yeah but no we haven't put up a video in a while i want to write more songs but it's shocking it's to me so that hard. you like your your work ethic i mean is incredible because I, Said, I mean that's a lot coming from you because your work ethic is so incredible no, but you but you know like mike Furman and i because mike produced your albums mm-hmm. and you know we always talk about how because we really we toured really hard to get our to get our comedy central half hour special which i think we shot in 2008 mm-hmm. and then once we did that we just like pooped out. We were like, oh my God, I don't know what else to It's so, do. I mean, after you write 50 songs, you're like, what's number 51? Like, Well, we didn't we write do? 50 songs, but when he records with you, he was like, it's fucking unbelievable. They release an album and then like the next Monday, they're in the studio <laughs> recording more tracks. He was that like, I, and I go, yeah, Mike, I think that's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> and we just like, I don't know what other songs oh to God. write about. I feel bad for Mike because I, I'm like, I think we have a good, we have a good, uh, you know, Mike is like so sweet and, but I feel like I'm like a little psychotic. And so, but I think he can take it. Like he can take, cause I feel a little bad. Cause I'm like, mm, I don't know. Try it again. Play it again. Play it again. Play it again. Play it again. Like I'm just like that. You and just need to hear it. I'm just controlling and I know, but specific. I know your, I know your brain spins a million miles an hour. Cause we've had the talk about like what it takes for you to fall asleep. Oh my God. Night. It's a lot. It is a lot. It's it's always like if I start dating someone, it's a little much to like introduce them to it. I'm like, um, so you know how like everyone's got like you know you have your things that you're like okay when am I going to tell the person about those things like that's that's one of my main things. I'm like when are they going to find out that I'm terrible to be in a bed with? Can you can you date another insomniac or does the other person have to like sleep through anything? Oh, I'd love to date another insomniac. I never have really. That would be amazing because then they would totally understand my plight. Or you might drive each other crazy. Maybe, yeah. It's possible you might drive each other crazy. But but it's, you know, I'll see Instagram posts about your apartment and I kind of in the back of my head I was like, I bet she was up all night organizing. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, yeah. I bet she, I can just imagine you like it's two o'clock in the morning you're like, I'm going to paint that closet and start painting a closet. (laughs) It's pretty much, it's pretty much like that. But I've, I've been training myself to like do things that turn my brain off like after a certain hour. So I'll be, I'll watch like Law and Order or Bones or or Friends or something that's just like, I'll make myself sort of be in a, um, like what's it called when your computer goes on rest? 
Like, what, sleep mode? Sleep, yeah, sleep mode. That's it, yeah. So I'll go on, like... Screensaver mode? Yeah, I'll go in screensaver mode. Nice. Where I'll, like, try to make myself stay in there. I'll play solitaire on my iPad or my phone. Like, yeah. mindless kind of... Listen, it is it is, it is is sort of the blessing and the curse of being, like, a high-functioning obsessive, which is you'll do a, probably do amazing career things. Mm-hmm. You just won't sleep a whole lot. I just won't. <laughs> like I'll you'll just... You'll never be able to... Yeah, I'll you know, never take a nap. When people say... Uh, I love when people tell me, they're like, oh, you should take a nap. I'm like, I just like... I want to be like, yeah, and you should fly home. Like, fuck you. Like, yeah, I just like, I can't, I you can't. You sprout wings right. if you don't like traffic. You should. Just do it. It's easy. Watch. Yeah, just, just do it. Just, just do it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's, it's when people say like, wow, it's, you know, it's amazing that you do so much. I kind of feel like there's a choice. Right. You know, there's like, like I, there, I'm you, always awake. You could, yeah, exactly. Oh, I woke up at, oh, fuck. I woke up at 3.30 this morning and I had to be at Kevin and Bean at 7.10. Damn. And it like... 545 I was like well I'm not there's no I can't go back to sleep no now. no I that's, might as well it's just it I'm up get up and start do you drink coffee oh you, you yeah have. I've got a latte right here yeah did you uh have you ever tried not drinking coffee I gave up caffeine for six months once and because I was like gonna give it a real try because everyone's like no you'll sleep better with it and it was the worst six months of my life I didn't sleep better and I was tired all the time but I feel like I gave it a real you go. really tried yeah it was in like 2010 I think some of us just have brains that are like spinning tops yes when they just yes and it's just you know and i feel like never... mike Furman can handle it when we're in the studio but i sometimes i'm like was i a little too weird was i like <laughs> i think i was okay and he's always you know he's the nicest human this, this is my so, yeah eh. all right yeah i mean and kate Micucci's the nicest human so they both you know are fine but Sometimes I'm like, oh, I think I got a little intense. I don't know. Well, it, it, but it, you know, because it, it's fu- it's so funny the <laughs> the evolution of Kate Micucci. <laughs> it's amazing through um, through Garfunkel and Oates. Oh my god! Because I remember a time where she was like, oh, I don't think I can say hand job on stage. And you're like, Kate, just say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And it's like, I, yeah, we had it was a slow, and now she's like. Like, kind of filthy. Yeah, she's doing like three naked threesome scenes in TV shows yeah. and just like just, you know, putting it all out there. And yeah, it's like it's been I've never seen someone change so much in what I think is for the better because her essential core is still the same. Like she's still like pull over and I'm like, what? She, and she'll get out. And she'll be like, look at the moon. Like, that's, <laughs> that's still a great. Oh, oh, my God. That's still there. That's that is that has not gone away. <laughs> but then she's also like, should now I do she's this like, naked? Look scene? at the fucking moon. Yeah, exactly. That's that's yeah. And she stills like like I got a text from her the other week that was like, should I do a painting with rainbows and spaghetti? This is real. And I was like, you absolutely should. And we're like, okay, we'll call it Rainbow Sketty. And now she has like a whole Rainbow Sketty line of paintings. That is, you know, but I would imagine Kate Micucci is like reaching up and pulling out actual rainbows. Yes. And yes. smearing them there's, on a canvas. There's because something she is, about that. She's magical. She's magical. She's yes. a magical creature. Yes, she is. She is. She would be studied at Hogwarts. She would. She totally would be. But there's, we had this song called The Loophole, which is like. About, I know The Loophole. Yeah, it's about anal sex and, um. And I, I had the idea and I brought it to her and I was like, I thought we were past, you know, oh, we can't see the fuck word, you know, or whatever. We can't <laughs> see hand jobs. Could... Yeah. thought we were past it. And I brought her this idea and she was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then, you know, the, the main lyric is fuck me in the ass because I love Jesus. Yep. And it's, it's, it's a lot. It's you know a lot. You know song, Katie? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. And um, she was just like, no, 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 no. And then, and I was, and the thing with Kate is, She's very strong and she, she seems like meek, but she's not like, if she says no, 
that is the end of the story. Right. And I know that like, right. it's, she's like, mm, I don't, I don't think so. And I'm like, okay. And like, cause <laughs> that's it's just, it. it's, that's, you know, even like, mm, uh, probably not it's, it's over. Mm-hmm. And I know that. And so I didn't, I didn't bring it up. And then a year later, she's like, I need to talk to you about something. I'm like, all right. And I come, come to her house and I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I'm ready to do the loophole. <laughs> And I was like, yes. How metaphorical in a weird sort of way of like someone coming to go, I'm ready for anal sex. Yeah, exactly. In the song. I'm ready for anal sex in the song. Right. But it's such a great, I mean, that that's that's one of those, first of all, I, I feel like you were probably a couple of the only people who could have gotten away with that song. Yeah. I get away with so much more because she's next to me. <laughs> I do. I get to like, cause she's so cute that we get to say lots of stuff. But you're, but you, but the tonal quality of your voices on stage is, is so, um, it's, it's very earnest. Yes. And so the earnestness <laughs> really counterbalances, like, I think anyone else would have been like, fuck me in the air, you know, right. and then it's just too much. And we're like playing characters who are coming to their boyfriends and being like, listen, like, <laughs> you know, I, I can't have sex with you cause I'm a Christian, but we found this know, loophole. Fuck me in the ass. Cause, <laughs> cause I love Jesus. Like, yeah, it is very sincere. I mean, the lot, the math on the logic tracks. <laughs> it tracks. It yeah. totally tracks. Did you grow up in a religious household? I, my house wasn't particularly religious, but my town was, okay. I grew up in a town of a thousand people like South of Buffalo. Oh wow. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And I went home, you know, before the election, it's just all Trump signs and Trump, mm-hmm. t- you know, that's kind of the, the vibe. And so it what was, are all your friends doing? I don't really know that many people from high school anymore. <laughs> I have, I have one friend who moved to London and she's like works in the government in London. And then one friend who lives in Buffalo. And those are the only two people I keep in touch with. So, Oh, gotcha. I don't I don't really go home. Just when you got out, that was like, I'm out. Pretty much. I'm out. Yeah. I got aspirations. Pretty yeah. Pretty, well, I mean, I, the last time I went out in my town, I'll go home, but I won't go out. Like the last time I went out, I got in just so many weird conversations with people that it was like, I don't know if I can take this anymore. Like what? Like one girl, like I, I like my major credits were like being an extra on Nash Bridges and one McDonald's commercial. <laughs> and that was like a lot for people to take. Sure. Like this one girl, like basically like told me off because she was like, I see you. I, she's like, you know what? You won. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> what, did I, what <laughs> yeah. And she's it? like, I just see you on TV. And I'm like, you know what? Fine. She wins. And, but this was the weirdest part. So. I was like, oh, what are you talking, who is, and I didn't know who it was I was talking to. Sure. I didn't recognize her. And she was like, you know, me and you, we were like so competitive in high school. <laughs> and I'm like, who's this girl? Who's this girl? Who's this girl? Going through my head. It was like only like five years after high school. And I was like, who was, I was like, I wasn't really competitive with anyone. So I couldn't, I couldn't place her. And it was going, she was going on and on and then just started telling me off. And then finally I was like, I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Did you remember and her? after she said her name, I was like, oh, Okay. Oh, yeah, oh um, you. You. I thought about you all the time. Oh, I'm just trying to yes. defeat you. I'm sorry. That um, was a tactic. Right. Yeah. That was a tactic on my part. Right. And in my mind, I'm like, what were we competing for? Like, there was nothing. We weren't in the same activities. Like, we weren't. Like, sh- she wasn't in the band. She wasn't in chorus. I'm like, what were we? It's so crazy the on? stories that people write in their head mm-hmm. about. I mean, I feel like that's most mm-hmm. of culture now is there is almost um, – there is almost a religious quality of 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 the way people where it's like, oh, I don't know the answer to this, so I'm going to fill in the gaps yeah. and make all these connections, mm-hmm. which may or may not be true, but this is going to form the basis of my core belief system, yeah. whether or not, you know, and no matter what you say or no matter how much evidence you might be able to bring me to the contrary for whatever this issue is, 
And you also can't prove a negative. I can't prove to her that I never thought about her. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I can't prove that we were not rivals. Right. Or that it was a one-way, you know, so. So I guess you were rivals. Yeah, I guess. Well, you won. One way I did. So good for you. I got that McDonald's commercial. Yeah, Nash Nash Bridges. And then it was just like, you know, smooth sailing from there. It hasn't been hard at all. I noticed uh, uh, (laughs) on Lydia's, uh, because we use Lydia's Apple TV account, Mm -hmm. and she recently purchased Last House on the Left. And I don't know if she's seen it. But as much as I... That's what I was filming in South Africa. You filmed that in South Africa? I know, right? It was cool. That's amazing. Why I, did it that, looks like Maine. I don't know. nothing South African nope. about that. Not, we were in the woods. We were at one house in Everyone the woods. had American accents? Yes. It was all very bizarre, but I was excited to be doing that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that movie's not really horror in the mm-hmm. sense that it's more torture porn yes. than it is horror. Yes. But holy shit, it is really intense. It's so good. It's it's really intense. And I'm not saying it just because I'm in it, because I know that a lot of stuff I'm in is not good. Um, I love Last House <laughs> on the Left. I mean, the other two bad guys are Aaron Paul and Garrett Dillahunt. And Garrett Dillahunt, yeah. And they're, yeah, they're, I just remember, it was, it was before, it was like after season one of Breaking Bad, but before I think the world realized that Aaron Paul was like such a genius. Right. And, and I hadn't really seen Garrett in anything. And we had a rehearsal and I was like, oh my God, I'm with like amazing act. like i'm like this is like the big well leaves. garrett was yeah. two different characters in deadwood that's what everyone said but i hadn't seen it ah, so i didn't you. know like it was but after the first rehearsal i was like oh my god i get to like be bad guys with these two people for like three and months then was, amazing was tony goldwyn the tony dead? was in it and yeah sarah um sarah paxton sarah paxton mm-hmm. who i hadn't seen because i just i wasn't the right age group but over halloween lydia bought like every iteration of halloween town <laughs> And so it recontextualized that movie. I'm like, oh my God, this makes, this changes the tone of the movie for me even more because she was this like kid star. She's like a Disney star. And then is in this super fucked up. She was mm-hmm. on the podcast uh, maybe like four years ago, oh, three or nice. four years ago. But uh, yeah, it is, it is an intense, mm-hmm. I mean, the original movie is intense, yes. but the remake was in fucking really intense. It's, I thought the original was way more intense. You if, thought so? If, oh, if you watch the original, the woman, like, there's so much more nudity. There's, um, like, the woman, they, they forced this woman to pee her pants. And I was reading about the thing. They made her do that. She, like, actually peed, oh. like, during the production. Oh. It was a whole, because it was so low budget. It was Wes Craven's first movie he directed. I just couldn't they didn't stage think pee. Of, I mean, they just didn't think of it or something. I don't know. It was, like... Yeah, the the stories behind it and and the original Last House on the Left was so crazy that it basically ruined everyone's career who was in it. Like they just never worked again because they were associated with this. Wow, you know? wow! Mm-hmm. And so when they came to you with the, did you audition for it? Yep, you did. Yeah, and your hair was like black, or was it black, or it, was it? No, it was blonde when I auditioned, and then um, I think because Monica Potter was in it and Sarah and me and we were all blonde, oh, gotcha. they wanted to differentiate, and it was my first day is like hair and makeup test in South Africa and the director this guy Dennis Iliadis who I love he like he walks into the trailer walks over to me looks at me and goes diet black and then just walked out <laughs> I was like oh, okay all right here I we guess go. we're gonna diet black here then, we go yeah and did, then did you my hair is a... still recovering still yeah yeah because they put extensions in with these like these beaded extensions like these antiquated ones that ruin your hair and then they would dye it with like box color so it looked sort of trashy and they dyed it over and over again to keep it the same color because it took place over one night. And let me let me let me take a guess. That, that is great for your hair health. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, gotcha. And okay, then when gotcha. I got back, we took the extensions out and dyed it back to blonde, and it was like, oh yikes! And then I got a rule on Big Bang Theory where they're like, you need to dye your hair red oh, immediately. So I dyed my hair red, 
and then went back to blonde in this small period of time. And since then I've had hair extensions. Well, yeah, because you can't, I think one, once you dye it blonde, mm-hmm. you have to not touch it for a long time. Right. Otherwise it, yes. it'll just like fall out. It just falls out. Yeah. I had like kind of like a long mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. So I've had hair extensions for like 10 years now. Um, another period is, uh, a triumphant show. Thank you. Because it is, first of all, it, it's so diff. It's so in the comedy central landscape. It's so unique. It's so unique. It's it's such a, it's such a brilliant idea. Like just the concept of it is great. Thank you. But, uh, it totally, it does not necessarily fit on that channel, but it doesn't really fit on any channel. I don't know really what, Comedy Central is tonally anymore. Like, I don't really... That's it's true. It's just really kind of, diverse. It's just kind of a lot of things. Yes, that's true. And I think they're, you know, they're just... Anything that kind of stands out for them, it's not... I don't really... I, don't, I wouldn't really know how to define Comedy Central anymore. That's true. Because it's... It used to be, like, for, like, young dudes or something. But now it's, like, The Daily Show and all the, you know... Broad know, City. Broad City and, and you know, Drunk History. And Drunk yeah. History, yeah. So, <laughs> I... But... So you made? Are you making more, or was it just three seasons? Well, we don't know yet. It's coming out in January, January twenty third, and then um, I guess we're just waiting to hear after that. So we don't know. I hope we can make more because we have just so many ideas and so many. Well, there's so many great people on the show too. God, it's crazy, and it's it really is like a. It's it's just like a like a like a comedy petri dish of like every funny person just mushed into one show. It's really like I am so obsessed with our cast, and like that's like the fun part about writing it is like we're like okay, so what do we want to see Brett Gelman do? And we're like okay, one everything. <laughs> like we want to see him do everything, but we're like or like what do we want to see Brian Husky do? And it's like that's kind of where we um, start the storylines from. Is we're just like okay, what's the funniest thing to see Natasha do? <laughs> like, Do you guys write it together? Just you and Natasha write it together? We write it together, <clears throat> but then we also have a writing staff. Great. So we have a writer's room that we um, had to quickly learn how to show run. <laughs> <laughs> a writer's room is a very interesting thing to... Because when you don't really have experience with that, you just go, you just put a bunch of funny people together and it'll mm-hmm. work. And then you realize, oh no, no, a writer's room has to be a well-functioning organism. Yep. <clears throat> and you really and people have, have different functions. They have different functions yes. and everyone has to have like, okay, well we can't have like two quick joke writers right. without the balance of like a the, good story yeah. comedy writer and a good, this and kind the of type writer. of person who's going to write on the whiteboard, like that kind right. of organized person. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Like you need all those things. And yeah, of course our initial instincts is of course to like have all of our, hilarious quick joke teller people but you're like no you have to write an entire story and it it takes a Mm. while to find and a lot of times you know Mm. you can figure out like what the exact balance is Mm. (laughs) right before you wrap a show like oh this is it they should have done yeah season three was like definitely the we knew uh, how to run the room much more, well, which is good because it's you know our latest season but it was one of those things where Natasha and I for the first time discussed like how do we get the best out of each writer? Because we hadn't thought of that. And we're like, right. oh, we can do anything. And we had this one writer who's so amazing, um, but he's like a little quiet and a little, and it's, um, and next to like, you know, our like loud mouth show off people, which is yeah. almost everyone else. Right. We felt like we weren't getting the best out of him. And we were like, do you want to write from home? And he was like, oh my God, yes. Yes. And we're like, do, should we try it? And I'm like, we're like, you can come in anytime. This is not we're not sending you away, but, and then he started writing from home until like three o'clock every day and he would send us the best shit. And he just it, needed to be right alone. Yeah. He just needed, he just wasn't, um, you know, Mr. Like take over the room personality, right. but the stuff he was sending was brilliant. And then like some people, it was better to like go in a, 
in a pair in the other room and the two of them would work something out. And then, yeah, it just, uh, we didn't realize till season three that not everyone has a comedian personality and well, a show off personality and they're just as brilliant, but they don't. Yeah. Show running it or like even being head writer, I think just because of the way that our brains work very linearly, you go, Oh, that is better. But then when you do it, you realize, Oh, I'm doing now. I have to organize everyone and be a manager. <laughs> yep. And I just want to be a creative person. You just want to write, and then you end up. I, all of my writing always came last. I would always rewrite other people's writing, or it was. Yeah, Natasha and I like we would just you know stay home over Christmas break and write or something. You know, because our stuff just you, you just end up pushing your own stuff. And are you later. are you? Uh, do, how do you know when a? Do you ever feel like a joke mm-hmm. is done, or do you feel like? I don't know. Let's try this and we'll see. Or do you, do you have really good gut instincts about like, I know this is going to work and how's your success rate on that? It's pretty good. We, it's, it's funny because I remember, so David Wayne, who plays my husband on the show, we were doing, um, I think it was, we were editing the pilot for Garfunkel notes and he was working in the same building and he came in and, and I said, do you have any advice? Cause he's been doing this forever. And he was like, the one piece of advice is if something made you die laughing when you thought of it, use that joke. Don't use the joke that's newer. Like, even though you wrote that joke three months ago, it's still the funniest joke. All right. Like, you might be, a t- might be tempted to always do, like, the latest thing because that's what's funniest to you now. Right. And he was like, but if it made you fall on the floor laughing, trust that and use it. Oh, that's, a, that's really good advice. Yeah. And so <clears throat> we try to, like, remember when something, like, just tickled us to no end. And we're like, nope, that's the joke. That's the right joke. You know. And, you know, sometimes they get topped. But usually we try to stick to the original. I wonder if... Because that's a show – that's totally a show where you could just spin a movie out of it. We've thought about it. I, I, Kate McCucci and I were talking about writing a, a stage musical of it. Oh, that's <laughs> – Because we already have four songs. We have, we, have two songs this, uh, we have two songs this upcoming season. Um, Armin Weitzman, who plays our butler Garfield, has a whole storyline where he, he's an orphan and he goes to look for his parents. And so we have like Orphan Annie songs that he sings. But he's a 35-year-old man. Oh, my God. You would – I think you would destroy. Wouldn't that be fun on Broadway? I think Kate th- and I are working on a musical right now. Fuck, we've been we've been working on it for a while. It's it's a longer process than anything else. But I also but. think in another period, another period Wouldn't musical, that be fun? because I think people know what it is. Yes, and you could really focus on just one self-contained story mm-hmm. and workshop it and workshop the shit out of it until it's like tight. Yeah, and I think. People, I mean, I, I think it could be like, a, you know, the next Book of Mormon. Oh where, man, that'd be amazing. Where people, I mean, I'm not really a Broadway person. You're not? Not really. Oh, I'm such but a Broadway person. I will go, oh, you are? Oh, I'm such a theater dork. I went to see Something Rotten last night at the Amundsen. I'm such a theater dork. Oh, how bad was it? Hey guys. Yeah. I, I, it I'm just, I don't cute. know anything about anything. Because for me, it, I get frustrated as much as I love writing so, like comedy songs. Mm-hmm. I get frustrated with musicals because I just feel like I get frustrated the thing that makes them function, which is like you're just singing the subtext of the scene. You know, like it's expositional, it's emotionally exposition. You know, and so it's hard for me to take myself out of that and just I be under- a spectator. That's a val- that's a valid criticism of musicals. They actually address it in this in Something Rotten. There's a whole show about because it's it takes place in Shakespearean times and it's like guys who are inventing the musical. They're thinking of oh that's, that's they're really like funny. how do we get people to come see this and you know someone's like write songs and they're like what and it's this whole discussion about how how awkward and and like you can't really get past the fact that they're singing and and that's what the, <laughs> that's what the musical is about which is funny got it yeah. I just met this guy in a guy in New York I was doing a, a thing with NBC 
and they have a show coming up called Rise. Okay. And it's uh, the showrunner is a guy who wrote Friday Night Lights. And then the other executive Such producer is this guy that they introduced me to named Jeffrey Seller. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Seller, it turns out, produced uh, Hamilton, oh. Rent, Jeez. Avenue Q. Those were the what? three top line ones. I'm like, Damn. holy shit. Those are all life changing for and, me. And so Rise is basically a, I think you'll, it looks like, if you like musicals, it's basically, it kind of reminded me of fame a little oh, bit. Man, I'm just t- letting the producers of Rise know right now I'm tech avail and I would love yeah. to be on your show. That's all I'm saying. I'd love to write you a song or be on your show. Just saying. <laughs> She's just saying, you guys. But it, it, but it takes the fame <laughs> element out of it where it's like, it's a high school drama program. Oh, nice. So it's a musical show, but it's more about how you know, these kids' lives are profoundly affected by having a, this music program in their school. And, and no one's like trying to get famous. But it's just like very communal and cathartic for them. Oh, it's already my favorite show. Yeah, and, and Josh Radner's in it, <laughs> oh, and nice. Rosie Perez is in it. Really? And the oh, girl who played awesome. Moana is in it. Wow. And like, it's just how good was she at the Oscars? She was like sixteen. You did you, the Moana girl. Yeah, she's only singing? seventeen now. Oh my so, god! Yeah. Do you remember she got like hit in the head while she was singing at the oh, Oscar, like with like a flag or something? Like it wasn't oh, right, right, right. But she, I was like, you were at the Oscars and you got hit in the head and I, you're singing a solo and it didn't even phase her. I haven't, like, I haven't like, watched the Oscars then. the last couple of years. Oh, oh, you missed the best one then. You know what? Because it just when Moonlight won. Oh, what, La, what, when La La Land. Oh, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I saw the, right. I saw, I saw like, whatever sort of Twitter moment version of that of that <laughs> happening. But it's, um, you know, the Oscars are just so so serious. Oh God, I know. And it's and and we're in a time now where there's so much social pressure to like. Nothing's funny. Don't make fun of anything. Fuck you. You know, because people so are so hard. angry. And understandably so. There's a lot of shitty things it's going on. It's hard to write comedy songs right it's now. It's really weird to write comedy, period. And, and I nothing feels important. Right. Or it but, feels... It just feels like, what am I going to write about my friend being late? You know, <laughs> do you know, like I've got no... like. But can I tell you, I yeah. would still Im- invest time in that because I think people do need that escape. They do. They, That's they true. do need that escape. I mean, if you, if you feel really compelled to mm-hmm. write social satire mm-hmm. like real biting social commentary about all the horrible things that are going on i would say do it but i wouldn't say you have to do it i think if you feel That's like true. writing your friend is late songs that means that there is x number of other people out there who would love to have a break from so the, the really toxic mm-hmm. news cycle mm-hmm. of everything that's, you know, everything that's going on. That's true. I went to see Tig and Rory Scovel a few oh weeks ago. Oh my God, what a great, are they Such performing great, together? Yes. Well, no, I mean, he, he opened. Opens for her, but that's but what I mean. They're on like the same bill. he opened like an hour bill. and she did like an hour. So it was, yeah, it was amazing. It was at Largo, but they both did not too much topical stuff and it didn't bother. I was like, oh, this is great. Like Rory has, I don't know if you've seen that bit he has where it's like about, um, some a Batman in a small town where everyone just recognizes him, you know. <laughs> and he's like, and then, and then, like it's a it's an amazing bit that I'm totally ruining, but it's. Did uh, she do her Indigo Girls bit? She didn't do it this time. She only did new stuff this past time, but got her Indigo. I love oh, Tig is just the best. She just for people who don't know, Tig spent, I think maybe 20 minutes at the, the Comedy Central um, Comedy Festival Clusterfest because <laughs> I, I, I was on that show. Her almost her entire set was <laughs> fucking with the audience about bringing out the Indigo Girls and whether or not the Indigo Girls were actually there, <laughs> and she kept going back to it, and it was so inspired. Like, oh my god, how did you? The, and it never. And it, every time she brought it back, it killed more every each time. time. She's so funny. She uh, she did. I guess one time she did the Indigo Girls bit for. Um, 
uh, what's that Ira Glass show? Oh, uh, the, the, um, yeah, er, 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 this American is American Life. This is American okay. Life. Yeah, Sorry, so Brain Scramble. For that and, ha- and then they did come out finally. Oh, <laughs> like oh first, they finally yeah. did come out. <laughs> but that's what's great about that bit is that it's funny if they come out and it's funny if they don't come yes. out. Yeah. It's just like a perfect, it's a bulletproof bit. God, she's so Because even if you don't know who the Indigo Girls are, that name, is, you know, like, if you say it enough, it mm-hmm. starts to become funny. Yeah. Tig's so fucking great because mm-hmm. if you, I mean, I've always adored her, always adored her. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, I, I she's fearless. She's I mean, fearless. she beat cancer. She did a set without her shirt on so you could God. see that she beat cancer. It's crazy. And she's just like, she's just like a fucking badass. Like she, I have nothing but respect for her. Sometimes I hear, you know, I'll hear people complaining about their careers or, oh, no one wants this or I, no one wants to hire me or I, mm-hmm. and I go, what are you pitching? <laughs> what are you trying to do? What are you trying to create? What are you trying to, I mean, it's, you know, like you. It's harder to have sympathy for people who aren't also trying to make something happen. You make, you make so many things. You mm. are, you never stop making things probably largely due to your insomnia, but you never <laughs> stop, you never stop making things. Mm. And I think it's important for people to understand that you, you can't really complain. I mean, I guess you can, but if you're not doing everything you can to try to make it work, it's really hard to have, sympathy. I went, I spoke at a class recently about low budget show running. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause it's, it was these people who are like thinking of making their own shows and things. And I, and I spoke at it and you could see the disappointment in some people's faces about how hard it is, you know, like at every turn, it's, it's so much work and it's so hard. And, um, people wanted like that magic bullet answer. And some people were just like, they got it. And they were like, yep, I'm going to start doing that. You know, but it was interesting seeing the divide in people and, and in their questions. And they're like, but what if I just, and it's like, whatever comes after the just is, you know, don't do that. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that they do have power, that they really do have their own. I mean, it's like, okay, you may not necessarily have the power to like go make a high budget movie if, sure. on a whim, sure, but power in the sense that, cause you, you and I have t- had conversations before. Cause I think we were both into like you know, hyper motivational studies Yes, is like, how do we I love self-help books? I love, I do too, stuff. because they, you know, even though, you know, a percentage of them are, there are a lot of, there are a lot of repetitive concepts, yes. which means that they are, there's probably some truth to them. Yes. There is a lot of garbage out there, but I sort of feel like even if, even if you just retain one morsel of information mm-hmm. from anything, it's better than if you were just like, listening to your the same playlist you were listening to in your car over and over I and totally over again. I totally agree. Because there's been things that I've taken from these books that I have never lost. And I'm like, the, it just things like... What's your favorite? One of the things that kind of changed my life is was reading this book about willpower. Uh-huh. Have you read those studies about willpower, how you have a limited resource of willpower? No. So it's a limited resource and they've studied it a lot. And it's not something... Like you have as much as you have, and it's not something that you can necessarily expand. Like you, you can sort of, but then like the next day you're too tired. Like it's, it's just a limited resource. And so you have to decide what to use your willpower on. So when I'm like doing a really hard project or writing or something, I'm not worried about, you know, eating a vegan lunch. I'm just like, give me pizza. Like I don't use, I don't work out that morning. I don't use my willpower. Because you need that energy to focus on the other thing. I need all my willpower to get through this draft. Right. And so I don't work out that morning. I don't worry about returning emails. I don't like, or whatever things that take any willpower. Like, I don't know if returning emails takes willpower, but anything that takes any of that juice, I don't do it. Right. 
I, I order, I don't go get food. I order it. I make things easy on myself when I'm trying to concentrate my willpower. Got it. So that was very helpful. That's great. I, I think. What was yours? Well, I just, I think people, I think we live in an, an infomercial age mm-hmm. where people just want to be like a P90X commercial. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want abs. I just want yeah. rock hard abs <laughs> in like a couple weeks. Right. And. I just want to revolutionize television. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is that the, 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 the path to success or the creative process can be very, it's very unromantic in a sense, mm-hmm. or it's very unsexy yeah. in the sense that it's like, I think people just want to see, oh, I want to throw a hundred percent into my, of my energy into this thing for a day. And then I want everything to be changed. And it's like, no, no. You, it, it, you know, understanding the power of sort of like compounded interest mm-hmm. in an account of incremental change that even though you, even though someone might say to themselves like, well, you know, I, I have to, you know, I have to work this one job because I have a family and I don't have a choice and this. I would say, yes, I understand. Mm-hmm. I think there are probably places where you have choices where you don't realize mm-hmm. because it's so automated, mm-hmm. even in just the way that you view things in your life yes. or how you perceive things. Or how you like have your schedule, which I think is interesting because everyone's got, um, have you read that? Oh, it's, it's called like creative habits. Have you read that book? No, it's amazing. It's like all, it's like creative habits of all these amazing artists throughout time. And it's like, have they all sort of found like, like treating yourself like an experiment mm-hmm. where you're like, do I write better if I wake up at six in the morning or do I write better at midnight or do I write oh, better great. after I've had a glass of wine or do I write better, you know, with coffee or do I write like using yourself as a science experiment right. and figuring that out. Cause like, even if you do have a full-time job, there's probably ways to maximize your creativity that you haven't invested in yet. Or even if it's just one, you know, it, this sort of uh, the the getting things done methodology is is interesting, but it it it's it it can be a little tedious when you mm-hmm. get into it. But it but it's just sort of the idea of like you know getting all of your thoughts out of your head mm-hmm. and onto paper or yeah. onto whatever you know if you use Evernote or whatever your your writing program is, and then writing down what your goals are. Mm-hmm. And then, but also understanding emotionally, like what your emotional motivation for those goals are. Because some people might go, well, I just want a million dollars. Okay, why do you want a million dollars? I don't know, because it's better. All right, that's not enough of a reason. No. You need to understand, like, the more specific you can get with your goal setting. And then once you understand emotionally why you want that thing, then breaking down into steps, is there any even tiny incremental thing I can do today that moves me a little bit closer to that Mm -hmm. thing? And it might take a few months before you really start to see the results of it. But eventually, it, it, it adds up. is kind of like an aircraft carrier turning that you will, you will start to feel. Mm. And I really do believe when you start making decisions that are beneficial to you uh, over time, it really will make a difference. Especially if it's like writing or comedy because every time you do it, you get better at it. Right. Even if you have a terrible set, you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again. Or, or you learn how to handle a heckler or like whatever it is, like you get better at it every time you do it. So it is incremental. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you no remotely reasonable comedian would think, oh, I'm just going to write a perfect hour Mm -hmm. set on a Thursday and then I'm going to go do it on a Friday. Oh my God. Although and Kate then... and I thought that at the beginning, because we, <laughs> we didn't know, we didn't know comedians. The only comedian we knew was Doug Benson. Right. Um, and, and we actually hadn't seen him do stand up. We'd only seen him do, uh, Douglas movies or the Benson interruption. And so we didn't actually know. And the third show we ever did was an hour. 
and we like didn't totally have enough material, but we're like, oh, it's fine. Like we played twice live and then we were like, oh, let's rent out a space and do an hour <laughs> show because we didn't know that people worked years to get an hour. And so we just, we played like some covers. We did like, we read like Ashanti poetry from this book. We just like. But you know what's great about that is that you learn. You, that's, how you, totally that's how you learn. You took, yeah. a, you took a risk and you learned. Mm-hmm. We so, did that twice. And then we started playing shows with like in the Scott Ackerman crew. And we were like, oh, we got to get better fast. Right. <laughs> like it was we were doing okay. Like we, it, we kept the show going, you know, and we got laughs and stuff, but you can feel that palpable difference between, you know, you and Patton Oswalt when you've been doing comedy. Oh my for God. Two well, well, Patton is a guy that Thursday could write an hour set and Friday tape he, it. He is. Yes. He's so, one of the okay. few, yes. unless you're Patton. Okay. Unless you're Patton. He's, he's one of the rare exceptions. you can feel that difference in that Kate and I were just like, Oh, we got to get better and we got to do it now, or we're not going to be in this crew very long. Right. Like, we kind of got lucky getting these spots in these shows and we're like, uh, we're not going to be here very long if we, if we don't improve. Right. And it was cool. And we went to see a lot of comedy and just, you know, just worked on it day and night. Oh, and you, by the way, just a side note, uh, I was going to invite you to see all the notes. Cause we got a, you know, like we went with a group oh, and nice. you already went. I was already there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I already saw that you you went the night before. I see them every time they're here. I think I, well, I well, Kate and I are friends with John Oates. I know. He's the best. We love him. That's he once so... took me guitar shopping in Nashville. Holy shit. That was like a dream. I was just like, I am guitar shopping. So he's got a pretty good s- sense of humor about the whole thing. Oh my God. He contacted us on MySpace when we first started <laughs> and s- and sent us this message. And he was like, I heard you're using my name. Um, and he's like, I grant you permission if I get free beer at your shows. And we were like, <laughs> holy shit. And he's like, do you guys want to jam sometime? And we're like, yes, There's, obviously. Have you jammed with, with totally, John Totally, totally. But Kate, but John is such an amazing person player and kate and i are you know we're fine we're fine um i'm much better than i was when i started but i'm still just fine and so we were like you know he'd be like take it away and we're like no you (laughs) we're gonna play these three chords we're gonna kick it back over to you like kate's not like doing like uke solos you know we were just like "Uh uh-huh i'm like i'll shake these maracas but our garfunkel is less never met him Right. Never heard from him. We'd love to meet him. But he was on flight of the Concord, so he must have some funniness somewhere. Or something. But, or, so, yeah. or or someone talked him into it. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean he, he must have heard of us just because when you if you Google Garfunkel, we come up right away, you know. So he must That was also yeah. interesting to use two other people's names as your identity. <laughs> yeah. You know, as your like That was the best. that was so fun. We, like I've like basically like relentlessly harassed Kate until she let us have that name <laughs> because because I, I went to see hollow notes at the bowl and we were in the back and um so we could only really see the screen and the cameraman had a close-up on hall and then it was like oats in the band and there was no two shot and there was no john close-up and i'm like that's hilarious like that's crazy like it was just do they not get along at all i don't know it seemed like the cameraman at least thought that right and i was just like this is really funny and thought of that name and then um and then yeah kate wasn't totally feeling it and so we thought of like so many other bad names and then we basically had no name and we went to record these songs at this studio and kate had recorded her part and she left and i was with him and i was like well we're thinking about calling garfunkel notes he's like it has to be that and i was like it does right (laughs) and he was like it has to be that and i was like let's call Kate. And we called her a bunch of times. She was at like Chinese for dinner. She comes out. She's like, what? And we're like, it has to be Garfunkel. It has to be. Both of us were on the phone. We're like, Kate, this is its destiny. This is what it, it has to be. And she was finally like, oh, fine. 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 Yeah. So that's kind of how it happened. But you, but it's been difficult for you. I would imagine it's, 
first of all, it's very difficult to keep a band together. It's difficult to keep. Oh my god, it's so hard when you have when the two of you or four of you, however many, mm-hmm. have to drive it. Like with something like another period, you know, an organization will say you are going back to work at this time. Yes, Comedy Central is like here's what's happening. Yeah. But when you are that governing body mm-hmm. and there's no real, there's 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 no real, um, uh, I guess, accountability to anyone but yeah. yourself. Boy, that is a, that is very hard to prioritize that because you're like, well, I don't know. I got to do this other It's stuff. hard because it's, you know, you don't make a ton of money, at least not at first, doing comedy. And it, it was hard to sort of give up other things. But then it just got easier and easier because I was so happy about what we were doing. And, like, I, you know, I just remember um, – I had dinner with this friend of mine and I was like, I'm thinking about not doing pilot season. Cause I was just is an actor. And so like, that's all you wait for is pilot season. And he was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I, I want to like create and start my own show. And he was like, Oh uh, yeah, don't we all. And I was like, nobody really, really wanted. And he's like, uh huh, totally. And he was so flippant and dismissive that I was like, I'm not doing pilot season. <laughs> well, good. Oh, I'm going to fucking create and start my own show. And I told my agents I wasn't doing pilot season. And they were like, what? I'm like, yeah, I want to, I don't want to be in some seven year contract. God, I remember the year I, t- I t- decided that I wasn't going to do pilot season either. It was so freeing because you have no power. No. And the only power you have is to just not do it. Yeah. yeah that's the only. <laughs> or, or at least figure out how to make it enjoyable for yourself. Yes. You could do that. But I, I did not enjoy the process right. at all. Mm. And uh, and that that felt so good. But I didn't want to be in a seven year contract because then like when would we make the Garfunkel and Oates show? Like right. if, if I was yeah yeah it, it is sort of a good good news bad news situation where you go oh I'm finally on this show. I mean I've had friends who their whole goal was to get on a sitcom and then it got picked up mm-hmm. and then it got picked up and it got picked up and they were like oh I can't do anything else. And now mm-hmm. someone listening to that might go well fuck you you're getting paid money and you're getting and I go yeah but you still have creative desires yes. you still want to be able to do things and you know 7 years is is the better part of a decade of your life. Yes. It's a real commitment. It's and and if deal. you get so identifiable as that one character then then you could work for seven years and then not again for like a lot more. Ever, maybe. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although I feel like that's happening less now because there's so much content. But Yes, there, and there's still... a lot of cross-pollination too. And mm-hmm. people understand that, you know, that the media is different. But I think, It's you a know... big commitment. Well, And also, like, I was auditioning for dramas too. So, it, like, being on a, like, an hour drama is like you work you know, 15 hours a day. And oh yeah. It's there's no, it could be life. like, Oh, your call time's 3 PM. Your call time's 6 AM. Your call time's 5 AM. Like mm-hmm. there's no, you can't make other things. There's yeah. You, mm-hmm. you just can't. And, yeah. the, and the time that you have off, you're exhausted. Yeah. And like, you know, Paget Brewster, who's on another period, she's also on criminal minds. Is she still on? And, yeah. And so, um, yeah, she actually, well, she accepted the, she's she, so fucking funny. She's so fucking good. So, but she, um, they asked her to come back to the show and she said, only if you carve out another period oh that's great yeah and they were like at first probably a little bit like carve out what like what are you talking about like what is this like you know because that that shows like i think it's the number one drama in the world and you know we're obviously a tiny show and a tiny thing but yes they carved it out for her but like even hearing about her schedule i was like whoa that is she that shows a lot like she works a lot that's great well i i think um uh, oh, and you were doing your you were doing making it the making it podcast for a while. Yes. Are you going to go back to that? I at some want point? to. I keep wanting to, and then it I, it just basically when I got a TV show, it was yes. it, I I ran out of energy. I, just I couldn't totally do understand. Anymore. Yeah, but I, you but, can. I don't know how you keep all these balls in the air. You seem to be able to do a lot of different things. Well, yeah, I try, but I just. How do you? Um, here's the thing that I'm bad at. This sure. is this is my self help advice that I sure. need from you. Is how do you reset? 
your brain, like if say after this, you're going to go and write something like, how do you, what do you do to change over to the different mode? I think I'm excited by the, I, I, I'm excited by the freshness of the other thing mm. that that invigorates me because I don't, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say that I have ADHD, but I do have only so much attention span for things. Right. And so this kind of piecemealed modular career I have where I do one thing mm-hmm. for a couple hours and another thing for a couple mm-hmm. hours and another, it's very much how my brain works. And so, oh, so that is I, I do magical. like that, but, but if, if, if you can find anything in it, it's, Rather than looking at the next thing as a chore, like, oh, now I got to lift another rock. Mm -hmm. It's sort of being invigorated by the passion part that you're excited about, which is why I think it's important, you know, to do things that are, that you really care about Mm -hmm. because when you do things that you don't care about, and obviously you don't always have that luxury and not, and not everyone has that luxury, but Mm -hmm. it, but if you do, if you ever get to, if you can, then finding those little nuggets of things that you're passionate about help you sort of do that packet switching so that when you start the next thing you're excited about it because it's something that you're excited to make happen i'm gonna try to do i'm gonna try to shift my focus that way because i always have a i have a hard time doing more than one thing in a day yeah and it's not great for the type of career i've chosen yeah i mean it's it's i feel like having to you know we we have to kind of diversify our careers the way you would a stock portfolio mm-hmm. because you just don't ever know. It's like, well, I don't know if another period's coming back. Well, I got to work on this. Well, I got to do this. Now I got to do this. So it, I think it's really important to only work on things that you give a shit. Or at mm-hmm. least if you're forced to work on stuff that you don't give a shit about, mm-hmm. if you're in that situation, is there a lot of it's, you know, a lot of it's asking your brain the right questions. Yeah. Is rather than saying like, Oh my God, what, what, what am I, you know, this, how is this not going to suck? Or, you know, at least just kind of like find... conference calls or things like that. Yeah, You're exactly. like, oh, okay. Just at least yeah. sort of understanding the, the nugget of the reason for why it's important to you. And is mm-hmm. it going to drive you closer to this thing that you want and can it, or is there something you can learn from it or what can be, you know, if you really ask yourself like, well, what, what is positive about this thing? Mm-hmm. Your brain might give you an answer that you weren't really expecting because you've, you've just mm-hmm. kind of autopiloted that it's going to Or suck. it might be like nothing. And then you have to like rethink your <laughs> It might be your like choices. If, if, if you get enough nothing. And again, you know, I'm sure people listening are like, fuck you. It's easy. You, you, you know, you can, you have, a, and it's like, yeah, but, but I no, wasn't, but I wasn't always no, that way. And it doesn't just apply to things that are hugely successful. Like it applies to everything you like anyone who's trying to be an artist, like your whole day is choices of what you, you know, if you're trying to be a writer, like you wake up in the morning and no one's telling you what to write. Like you have to pick, like right. you're deciding and you're pitching it to people and you're, you know, but it's also, taking very, a easy, class it's or, also very easy to get addicted to, especially for people with obsessive personalities, get addicted to the honeymoon period, mm-hmm. not just of, um, it's sort of like dating. It's like mm-hmm. uh, like new relationship energy. Mm-hmm. You have that with projects. Yeah, like a new idea. You're like, oh, I love it. And, and then, then so then it gets hard. Exactly, it gets mm-hmm. hard because main, maintenance is not sexy. No, it, or at least I don't. You know, like I don't. It's it's like getting something up and running. Oh, you're brimming with ideas, mm-hmm. and you just feel all that. Oh, you're just so excited, and then it's like. Now what do I? So page you know, seventy five of my script, and now on I'm, a rewrite. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like I, I still don't know what to do with the second half of that. So I two. guess it's really understanding like what it is that you want, and if you can understand what it is that you want out of that process, maybe you can focus on that rather mm-hmm. than the thing itself, or trying to understand like 
how to get something done, how to like beat the clock yeah. on your excitement so that you're like, you get, Oh, that's a good idea. I've never thought of that. Like try to like get it done before I'm not excited anymore. It's a little bit of a time, like a race. Ooh, that's kind of like, fun. It is kind of fun because it, it, again, it goes back to what you were saying about understanding how your brain works mm-hmm. because how many of us know, or how many of us are those people that have a string of, uh, you know, of initiated projects. And then at a certain point you're like, ah, this is dumb. Yeah. But it's also like saying so many things I do. I get to a certain point. I'm like, this is terrible, but I, that's part of it. Like that's, you know, you have to do like a few days of work on something before you can be like, even know if it's a real idea. But you also know that if you also understand that that's, that there's more to the process than just that initial, you know, hot, sexy energy Mm -hmm. when you're excited about an idea, that you know that you can get excited about an idea again. So when your brain says, like, well, this is dumb or this is terrible or right. this sucks or I suck, you you can say to yourself, like, yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And then because you can find you will you will get to another point. You're like, oh, my God, this is this all- is why it's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it's so fun. Yeah. Kate and I are trying to write a musical right now and it's a whole new um, genre. It's a whole new like doing stage stuff. It's a whole different part of your brain and you know because we just our songs you know you only have to think three minutes long right and this is like they further the plot and they're all part of this is it existing songs or you're writing new songs um, we're writing new songs wow we're, we're just we're trying you know we'll see if this ends up being we've been trying to write a musical for a long time but this idea i think is going to be the idea that we keep going on but you know we'll see that's fantastic yeah we'll see well i think you know it's i i hope you considered doing some kind of podcasting thing again at some point, because I think people, I think you could be a really good role model for people who, um, you know, want to take more charge of their destiny. Gosh, I should do making it. You know, people like come up to me. It's, it's weird. They have like emotional reactions to the podcast. Like they'll come up to me like almost in tears and be like, it, and be like that podcast. Like there was a guy who, Oh my gosh, last year at the HBO Emmy party, he was there on a show that was nominated for an Emmy. And he was like, I'm here because of you. Holy shit. And I was like, Oh my God. And he was had tears in his eyes and he was like, your podcast. He was like, and he told me how his life was going. And it, it was, you know, all the evidence was pointing to him. Not, this wasn't going to happen for him. Right. But then so same with everyone on my podcast, like every piece of evidence, except for a couple people, it seemed like, Ooh, this is really dark. Like yeah. this is not going to, nothing's going to ever break. And yeah, he said that he l- would listen to it obsessively. And he's like, it gave me like a, a sort of a deep hope. That's great. And he's like, and, it, and then it worked out. And I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. But I don't think anyone ever feels like, I think very few people start out, and go, I think if someone is able to go like, yeah, I'm just, I'm a shoe in, you might be a sociopath, <laughs> right. you know, like, but I think everyone, everyone feels that sense of like, well, this is never, why, mm-hmm. why would this happen for me? I'm not, I can't, totally. I'm not, I'm not, I'm terrible. I'm not. It, but it's that thing of like, say like five years in, seven years in, and you still don't have the evidence that something's going to break. Like right. it's that kind of time where you're like. I, you know, and you're seven years better at what you do. So you're actually probably closer than you think, but it feels impossible. But I think that's why it's important to keep writing down your goals, Mm -hmm. understanding why you want them. They can change over time. Are you still passionate about these things? Are there new ways you can present these things? You know, you always hear this. There's so many stories of someone who was like, I was ready to quit. And then I just... Mm -hmm. I kind of got to that place and I just made this other thing. And then that was the thing, mm-hmm. you know, like you just, you just don't know. You, you honestly just never know. But and I'm you gl- look at someone like Karen Kilgariff, who's been brilliant for so long. Yeah. 
and now she's doing the biggest thing she's ever done. <laughs> Despite, and it's out of nowhere. She was yeah. passionate about. Yeah. And it's not related to necessarily what she was doing before. I mean, she's so fucking good. But um, yeah, and now it's like the biggest thing But isn't ever. it interesting that this podcast essentially pulled together every skill set that she had been working on mm-hmm. over the years? Yep. And so it is about being open to, you know, if you are on one path and then just kind of accidentally discovering like, oh, my skill sets actually a little can cross-pollinate with this other thing. Mm-hmm. And so all that, you know, all that time, this is this is the fruit that it's bearing, mm-hmm. even though it may have been different than what I had foreseen. Mm-hmm. Wow, how much better because this is such a unique organism. Yeah. You know, it's such a unique thing. And that show is so funny. It's, there's, it's such a good idea. Yeah. Oh, it's, but, it's great. Yeah. And they, you know, and they, it is something that they're passionate about. Yes. So I know you are passionate about self-improvement and getting better and making things happen. And so mm-hmm. I think it, I think it is helpful to people if you ever, if you ever get a chance. Gosh, I really want to, I, I will. I want to go back. I do. I want to do it. Do it. Yeah. Right now. I, I, right. If I know you I'm, by tonight, yeah. you'll be like. <laughs> That's the thing. That's so true. <laughs> There's so many people. It's, it is, I went to, um, did you go to Scott and Kulop's Christmas party? No, I wasn't able to go. I was oh, out okay. of town. Um, but there were so many people at that I was talking to there that I'm like, oh, I haven't interviewed them. Like, they would be great. Like, so many people who make things at that party. Yeah, like, hmm. and you learn from it, and the audience will learn from mm-hmm. it while you're learning from it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's great. It's really great. Ooh, I want to do it. There was another piece of advice that I found really interesting in sort of dealing with other people that a therapist told me once, which was, um, listen to people. They will tell you who they are. If you really listen, that's such, that's so true. So, you know, when we were sort of going back to like, mm-hmm. like looking at people's art, when they talk about, you know, if someone constantly says on stage, like, Hey, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> Maybe uh, that's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not saying all the time. Right. And that's why it's tricky with comedy. Cause you never know what's enhanced or what's, what's, what's the not. Pers- and but what pre- things are real. Like someone like Anthony Jeselnik, who's the nicest guy in the world and his persona is so dark. Right. Like, okay, well that one is not really applied. But a lot of people you can. But even chase in relationships, it. though, like how many times have you been in relationships where so many where so where someone legitimately, when you go back and you go, oh my god, I told they were telling me, mm-hmm. and I just like swatted the information out of the way because, you know, this is why this is why lust can be such a difficult oh, thing to manage it's because so hard and it deafens you and loneliness like right someone who like stops you from being lonely and like and you know you you like want them lustily but you start making exceptions and you start making exceptions and you start making exceptions and then you can get to a point in a relationship where you go how did it get to this point you're like well because you made a lot of exceptions Mm -hmm. because you 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 didn't want to listen and you know now it's you know now it's messy and it's weird and my last relationship he told me like accidentally like why we were gonna break up like he sort of accidentally said this thing and i was like what is that? <laughs> and this, I mean, this was like a month in yeah. and I didn't, and I, and my whole body was like sort of shut down and I was like, that's what, what, what is that? Like, that's, that feels really weird. And I feel like that's what's going on. And he was like, no, 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 no. Oh, I misspoke and whatever. And I was like really mad about it. And then he sort of talked me out of it. And then like six months later, a similar sort of sentiment came up and I was like, that's what the thing is. And he's like, no, it's not. And then when we finally broke up, I was like, it was that, it's this. It's that thing. And you tried to tell me and, and I And then he's listen. finally like, yeah, that's the that thing. And I was it. like, cool. So have, you ever, have you ever had friends who dated someone and they, uh, and, uh, you know, or if you've ever dated someone mm-hmm. in the beginning, the other person goes, is like, um, yeah, you know, I've cheated on the last few people, but you know, 
And and then you go, oh, okay, because then you, in your in your brain, you go, me. Well, I'm me. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, and then that person cheats on him. They're yes. like, they told you up front yeah. that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now again, I'm not, you know, I don't want this to, I don't want this to be misconstrued mm-hmm. as like blaming the victim, but I also think it's important. You know, when people try to tell you who they yeah, are, like, like listen, you can listen, you can, you can listen. To and them. if you're okay with that, like some people don't care that much about infidelity. And if you're okay with that, then yeah, keep going. But if that's the agreement, people, yeah. if that's the agreement that yeah. you have, like, I think most agreements are okay as long as yeah. both parties are yes. aware yes. and agree. Yes. But anything that's not agreed upon. You know, like that's gonna be a problem. Yeah, I, I, I totally. I, I was dating a guy not that long ago, and he was like, "Yeah, I always do this thing where just like out of nowhere for no reason, I'm just like not interested in the oh, person shit. I'm dating anymore." And then like that's totally what happened. Like it was going really well. Like and then just kind of out of nowhere, suddenly he was like just like ended it. And I was like, well, that I guess was weird." Sort of, I'm like, "Oh, he told me on our first date." Fuck. You know, it's, <laughs> it's it's also easy to it's also easy to say like. Oh, you know, you should listen to people tell you. But, you know, if you're in a situation and someone tells you that, what are you supposed to do, really? Are you supposed right. to go like, okay, well, let's just end this now because yeah, you not... just told me how this is going. Oh, no, I yeah. didn't mean that. I didn't mean No, because, like, what if it's not true in the situation or what? Right. Yeah, it's a red flag, but it's not necessarily, like, a stop sign. Like, right. Although the other the other guy that it wasn't a, it was a year in where I was like, this was the thing. Like that one, my, literally my body shut down. Like I should have listened to that, <laughs> you know, the, uh, but the guy who was like, I suddenly, you know, lose interest in everyone. He said it like sort of flippantly on our first date and I didn't really take it in and it didn't like make my body shut down. So, well, it's, you know, in any situation, in a dating situation, in a work situation, I do think that the advice that they give you when you're kids about like not getting into a van mm-hmm. where I think it's still applicable. If something feels wrong, mm-hmm. it's there's a good chance it's wrong. Like yeah. you're, someone said to me once, your gut is smarter than your brain. So true. You know, and it's like if your body, if you feel, even if you can't really articulate it, if something just doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. it's probably not. Yeah, it's so hard to trust it though. It's so hard to listen. It is. I know. I know. I know. It's easy. It's easy advice to give, but I'm. But I'm glad that. Uh, I'm glad that you're okay. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that uh wait, so we should probably promote another period is coming back yes. in January. January twenty third. Comedy Central. A paired with drunk history this time, which is cool. Oh, that's great. I know, right? It's a good pairing. Yeah, I know. It kind of it makes never, all the sense in the world. It does. We never really had a lead in before, so this is our first time with like a big big deal lead in. So. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's really great. And then uh you're writing a musical with Kate. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to plug? I'm uh I'm kind of just writing every day. I've been writing movies and stuff. I haven't been doing much else. So, That's great. So no, nothing. Good. Yeah. Well, I hope you. Uh, I hope you sleep. Uh, your apartment looks great from Thank the pictures you. that I've seen. Looks super I'm cool. I'm really loving it. Did you see the pictures of the swing? Yes, I saw the swing I, hanging. Like, Is I, that in your living room? Yes. Yeah. I had a dream of a swing, and I yeah. And Fucking fantastic. I finally have a swing. I, yeah. Are you still in that same building? Yes. Great. Yeah. Great. 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 Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you this for having me. It was an absolute me. pleasure talking to you, and it was uh, wonderful. you know, I, I hope I hope to see you around. Yeah. It's like you have friends and you go, well, I never see them except for work things. And then you do a, po- like you do a podcast and I go, fuck, we got to invite Ricky over more. For <laughs> We haven't had as many of things oh, over here. Oh, you have dinner party thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we will. We will for sure. Yeah. Please come back. I will. All right. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs> the end. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Once upon a beat. 
Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuel, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the new kids and family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.